What's going on, Pirate Nation? Purple Ace Podcast back. I am your host, Josh, with, well, half your host, Josh, with uh, my co-host, my brother, Jake. Jake, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just uh, started new semester classes, so trying to get everything um, with that organized, but it's been pretty good. That's partially why uh, this episode's not, you know, coming a little bit later than we wanted to, but me and Josh have both been really, really busy lately, but regardless, we're excited to be uh, recording again. Yeah, but I mean, it makes for a better episode, too. Um, we were probably about ready to record at the tail end of last week. We had probably gathered enough, you know, and it's not football season. You know, it's it's tough to put together enough, um, you know, ECU sports info for it uh, to, to make a full, you know, 45 minute to an hour long podcast for y'all. But um, regardless, uh, we've got a lot for you today. Um Really excited. Uh, we're, you know, we, we got football. We got a football segment we're going to start you off with. And we got a lot to talk about with basketball, for better or for worse. Um, you know, we'll touch on baseball, too. But, uh, you know, full podcast for you. So we're excited to be back, excited to be recording. We're recording this on Wednesday the 26th. So it should be out. You know, y'all should be hearing it Thursday the 27th or over the weekend. Um, and, yeah, uh, before we jump in, do our social media plugs uh, at – purple haze podcast on instagram and at purple haze pod on twitter um always appreciate uh, the follows that we're getting uh you know the continuing growth of those profiles it's really fun interacting with you guys and interacting with the um you know other ecu media and the players and whatnot so yeah give us a follow um you know and uh we we live tweet games we uh you know we follow uh recruit updates and um you know just all all things ecu sports uh, but without further ado, we can go ahead and jump right into it. Um, Jake, we're going to jump into uh, football first. Um, we got the home and road opponents in the time we've been gone um, for next season, and it's interesting. Um, I've said it. I've said it uh, about baseball with having a tough schedule. You know, I talked about how it's a good thing to have a tough schedule. That translates to football as well. Um, but I think that this schedule is especially unique and especially good um, because of who we play at home versus who we play on the road. Um, Jake, what are your first thoughts when you, when you found out, you know, we don't know what the, when the conference games will be, but we know um, home versus away. So Jake, what were your thoughts when, when that news dropped? Man, when I saw the schedule, I was really excited. Um, Kind of a reverse to when I saw um, our 20, 21 schedule because we had a lot of tough road games um in conference and i mean we still have some you know games that are that are going to be tough on the road obviously we have to get to cincinnati hoping that's not late in the season but um it's definitely going to be really nice to have ucf houston memphis and navy all at home and not having to go there and play those so um you know it, it it's it's kind of the best of both worlds like you said because you want to have a tough schedule um, to get that recognition, but it's also nice when your uh, toughest games are at home. Yeah, I mean, look, man, we everybody knows that that has been in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, and especially it, it just is continuing um, to become more and more of a factor as this team competes. The and the stands start to fill back up again to how they how they usually are. Um, it, it's a huge advantage, man, um, and that the fact that look you. UCF, we're, we're a deep conference. There's a lot of good teams. You're going to have a tough schedule. 
Um, you know, maybe things will shake up a bit once UCF, Cincy, and Houston leave for the first couple of years there. And, you know, you might see uh, teams like, uh, you know, us, you know, especially and then uh, SMU and Memphis, you know, kind of take a hold of the conference for, for the first few years while those other programs kind of catch up that are joining. But we're, we're always going to have a tough schedule. So the fact that you can get the tough games, at least most of them at home, is a huge advantage. And I mean, like Jake said, we got UCF, Memphis, Houston, and Navy at home. Um, Cincy, USF, Temple, and Tulane. You know, I think Tulane's got some some talent on their on their team, but I think that that's definitely even on the road a, a game that we should be fairly heavy favorites next year going into. Um, and then ta- Temple and USF, you don't expect to be close. Cincy, you know, Cincy's definitely going to be a force, but they're losing a lot. They're not going to be the same team that they are this year. So um, to be able to get uh, – UCF, who who is going to be really good next year. Memphis, who is a solid team this year and is only going to get better. And then Houston um, and Navy uh, at home is huge. Um, what stuck stuck out to me, Jake, is, is the obvious, like like we just said, you know, the the good. We seem to have the good teams at home and the bad teams on the road, except for you know Cincy. But um, what I'm excited about is, is um, and and you know, we kind of knew being playing at Navy this year that this was going to be the case. But I'm excited to have Navy at home, man. I hate it, and it delivered one of the best games of the year. But I hate playing yeah. Navy in Annapolis, man. It's just a different team. Um, so I think that you know, the the more experience this coaching staff gets against that that Navy offense, um. And in the more experience that these def- this defense gets, you know, we're losing a couple guys, but most of the guys are sticking around. Um, I will be better, and I think you know, taking away their home field advantage is going to be huge too. And that's that's a really big trap game for ECU. So the fact that uh, we've got some of those those things going in our favor, especially home field advantage, is going to be big. Um, really excited though about that. Um, you know, stay tuned. I- I'm not sure when they release. Uh, my mind's kind of drawing a blank. I'm not sure when they release the actual schedule. It's probably not for a few months. Um, yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. So, um, you know, we won't know that for a bit, but we do know when we're playing the non-conference uh, games. September 3rd, opening up with NC State. And, uh, man, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. That's a, that's going to be – they're going to be a good team. I think they're being overrated, which is good for us, that we play them right off the bat. Um, I think they're being overrated going into the season. Everybody's talking about how they're going to be a borderline top ten team coming in. Um, Shoot, I, I, think, I hope they're I hope they're top five coming in. Yeah, <laughs> look, man, we know we know those pre preseason rankings coming in. They they are bogus a lot of the time, and by no means are we saying NC State's not a good football team. I think personally, and I'll get your take on it here in a second, Jake, that they're a really good team and returning a lot of players um, with a veteran QB, but. Um, I don't think they're going to end the season in the top 10. Uh, I don't think that's a bold prediction to make either. But that doesn't mean they're not a good team. And it is early. And we have shown, we showed this year, um, and, and honestly last year as well, to be slow starters. I think a big portion of that is because of just how young we are. You know, we literally are growing as a team as the year goes on. I think next year we're going to come in a much better um, you know, with a much better product than you saw in opening day of the App State game. Um, but and we also play that game at home, so that's big. But man, that's a that's a tough one right off the bat, um, and it's going to be a crazy atmosphere September third when NC State comes to play uh, ECU and Dowdy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a really really interesting game. Uh, like Josh said, as much as it hurts us to say, State does have a very talented football team. 
Um, veteran quarterback returning a lot of players. Sounds really similar uh, to a team that we all follow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between us and NC State. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Um, and, be, you know, it being in Dowdy's huge. I think that's um, going to be a big opportunity for us to potentially, you know, make, make a name for ourselves early on in the 2022 season. Um, that game's already being talked about as being on the short list for um, a potential college game day matchup. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but uh, the game's already been picking up steam. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just super excited. I mean, I mean I'm excited for all the games. I think it's going to be an awesome year. Uh, but I, I'm glad we're starting it off with that one first. That's a, yeah. Can you imagine if it was a game day, man? And, I mean, I think it's a serious candidate, too. And that, oh, yeah, I mean. That, that would be insane. That environment's already going to be crazy. Daddy's already going to be sold out. And man, if we can come out and punch NC State in the mouth, you know, at home, just start the start the year, and especially if they get that high ranking, you know, we know they're going to be ranked in the top fifteen, it would seem, but you know, if we get a top ten team, um, you know, and come in and beat them early on, that would really, really set the stage for a great year. After that, we got Old Dominion September tenth at home. Um, I think, I, I think. And I'm not saying I know, but I think we are at the point now going into next year where these, you know, really small schools that we're playing these non-conference games against should not be an issue whatsoever. I know, I know Charleston Southern went how it did. Um, but I also think that the ECU at the end of the year this year would beat Charleston Southern by 50 points. Um and I think that next year, like I said, we're going to start a lot stronger. So, um, plus we got the you know state game before that too. Um, but yeah, anyways, Old Dominion should be a blowout. Then we play Campbell should also be a blowout. All three of those games are at home. Um, let's and- let's let's hope that we don't get a fourth uh, home game in September. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> that, that that would be that'd be pretty bad. I was reading about that because when I was looking at the schedule, I was like, I really hope they don't schedule us with another home, like our first conference home game uh, being in September. I really would like a bye week there. And uh, somebody was t- uh, had tweeted that uh, the only possible matchup, I think, I don't know how they figured this out, but they said that it would either be Navy at home or we would have a bye week. So hopefully we don't really hope it's a bye. Yeah, really hope it's a bye because, I one, I don't want to have four home games, just get them out of the way in September. But that's just, I mean, that, I mean that's really it. That's just, that's a lot, dude. Yeah, that, that that's would, a lot at home early. I on. hadn't even thought about that. Um, that yeah, there's still another week of football in September. I hope I do hope you you like to get a buy later in the year than earlier, but I do hope that we get a buy in this case there because I don't want to play four home games in a row. If if no. somehow it was possible for us playing away game and we got you know a, a, anybody honestly, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know if that's I mean, true. I just I was scrolling on Twitter and I saw that. So yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah. So those are the three three non-conference games, all home in September. And then uh, October 29th, Halloween game, we travel uh, to Utah to play BYU. And I was talking to Jake last week about this one, and I am uh, really scared of that matchup. BYU was really good this year. I know they, they stumbled some, um, but they're returning basically everyone. And playing in that stadium is insane. Um, and that's just going to be a really good football team. So um, I, I, most people probably wouldn't agree with me. I think Jake, you said you did agree with me. I think that that is um, go, going to be a 
a, a really tough test, even tougher than the NC State game to start the year off. Yeah, I think look, looking at the schedule, and obviously, I mean, rosters aren't even set. We're still hoping to pick up a couple of more guys in the portal. Um, I'm sure every school is still looking at guys, and then you never know who's going to make a jump um, and, and who's going to make an impact that hasn't yet. But I think early on, uh, that's by far the toughest game on the schedule. BYU on the road, tough place to go play, and they're always a you know a, a top team, really good program. Um, I'm not saying we can't win. I definitely think – I think we're at the point where we can beat anybody on the schedule. Um, but that's – I mean – that's the one that really sticks out if you had to pick one. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that that game is in late October. Yeah. I uh, get a lot yeah, of football before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be a test, but Hey, that's what you want. Um, you know, the, the top of the test, the sweeter the victory. So, and I will say, this, you know, we, we've had a young team. I think next year it's going to be, you know, be able to say it's a pretty experienced team, but we did play really well on the road, lost a couple of tough games to some tough teams. Um, but, you know, we played really well on the road this year, and we have a track record at, you know, doing decent on the road, even when our team was pretty bad. So, you know, who knows? But Yeah, and I think Houston's definitely instilled, instilled that culture. I think it's um, this year he definitely established it with the turn that the program made, um, you know, his first couple of years building it and then making the turn this year. Um, hopefully they just continue to ascend in, into a dominant program uh, where we belong. But, um yeah, I mean, that's a culture thing. And I think that Houston, uh, anybody that has heard him talk um, and, and seen the way he interacts with his guys and, and you know, what, what his players think of him, I think that uh, it's no surprise that we're a competitive team on the road because that's all that is, is culture, um, which is a really good thing. I, I wish uh, I wish we got to play SMU this year, man. I like playing SMU. Yeah, I'm just, um, I was really shocked that we didn't get SMU and, I mean, and Tulsa. I really yeah. want to play SMU, but – I just I don't under, have, I don't understand how when you have an eleven team conference you don't play everybody at least once every two years. I don't know because we didn't play them this year. We didn't play Tulsa this year, and then we're not playing them again next year. So yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we have the exact same opponents, right? Conference wise, yeah, exactly. We, we're playing everybody else, yeah, except those two. So, I, yeah, I don't really know how that works. I don't really. Yeah, okay, yeah, exact set, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't quite get that either. Um, but regardless, um, you know, it's got, it should be it should be a tough schedule, but it should you know it's it, it's favorable in a number of ways for ECU. Um, would be nice to get their revenge game against Tulsa after the most blatant robbery that I've ever seen in my life uh, <laughs> last year. But um, regardless, you know, we'll we'll be thankful for what we got in the in the good home games that we have. Um, Next up, man, uh, let's talk about something that, you know, we, we knew there was a, a really good chance of it happening. You know, you never want to see it happen, um, but we knew it was possible, and it's what happens when you have a good program. Let's talk about some of our early departures. Um, let's start out with Sneed, man, uh, one that was a bit surprising to me. What did you think when, uh, when you saw on, on, uh, online that Sneed uh, was declaring for the, for the draft? Um, you know, I was that was something I was definitely worried about. Um, you know, I that I was a little bit shocked as well. I thought Snead would have stayed an extra year. Um but I mean he might know things that I don't know. I mean, and I wish him the best, but that's definitely a, a huge blow. I mean, Snead is as consistent as any receiver. Um, he was our leading receiver in yards and he's I mean, 
literally in the biggest moments of, you know, I mean, look, look at the freaking Navy game and he does that stuff all the time. He's just always finds a way to get open. Even when there's two guys, three guys on him, as uh, you know, he's the shortest guy on the field, but you know, he doesn't play that way. And it, it's going to be tough for anybody to come in and fill that role. So, you know, that, that was definitely tough to see, but I mean, you know, ho- 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 hopefully it works out for him. That's for sure. Yeah. Four years in the program. Um, need a huge 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 piece in the uh, rebuild and um you know had a didn't put up as big numbers this year still had some incredible performances he's he's an anomaly you know um and you know we wish him the best i i was surprised by it that one was more surprising than a couple of the others um that we're going to talk about but um either way he's definitely got some serious talent and you know, size is going to be the the main thing that he battles as he tries to uh, fight his way onto an NFL roster. But you know, that's nothing new to him. So, wish him the best. Um, definitely cannot replace a guy like Snead, but um, I do think that we have uh, you know enough pieces on this offense and enough people coming in to uh, where we'll be okay. Um, I think I think this was this year um, with how this offense started to spread the ball around. Um, and, and became less reliant in the past game on just one guy like we had been for so long um, that it, you know, if there was ever a time for us to be okay with losing a guy like Snead to be now, but you know, still you, you, you hate to see it, but you love it for the player. And uh, just thank you to Tyler Snead for all that he did. He was fantastic player to watch. Actually, Jake, I just thought of this. Um, my favorite Tyler Snead play ever. And I think you probably already Jeez. know what I'm saying. Oh, I know, dude. I can Jake, feel it right now. <laughs> I was still um, – I believe I was still in Greenville, but I think it was after I graduated. Um, you were still in high school, um, and it was the game – who were we playing? South Florida. They beat us yeah. like 45 to 20. <laughs> yeah, we got – yeah. No, um, they were not good either. No, they weren't good. That was bad. I really <laughs> this thought is, that game was This was post the good South Florida – yeah, that, yeah. And, believe it or not, they believe it or not. Five years ago, they used to win ten games a year. But yeah, they were solid. Yeah, who knows if they'll get back? Uh, yeah, I, I still have no idea how they're bad. It doesn't make sense that no. recruiting area and everything. But anyway, anyways, the first play of the game, Jake sitting with me in the student section, or standing with me in the student section, um, and and uh, we ECU's getting the kick. It's the uh, the first play of the game, and Sneed takes the kick all the way back into the you know end zone facing the student section the crowd is going crazy everybody's jumping up and down and when it happened when it you know he was around the 50 yard line and you you know you saw that he you know there's always that point in the kick return for a touchdown where you realize it's going to be a touchdown and everybody jumped I jumped and threw my hands in the air and hit Jake in the jaw with the hardest elbow <laughs> that anybody's ever been hit with it hurts so um, bad <laughs> jaw clicked mouth busted bleeding open Oh man, that definitely uh <laughs> I felt so bad, but Dude. um that yeah, that's my favorite Tyler Sneed memory. That's <laughs> probably my favorite. <laughs> Looking back on it, that's probably my favorite, but it, during the moment that was awful, dude. That hurt <laughs> so bad. The first play of the game too. Yeah. Just sit there the whole time watching <laughs> get blown out with a blown out jaw. Yeah, that hurt, dude. Man. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, thank thank you to Tyler Sneed, man. He's a fantastic pirate. Um and just a, a unicorn of a player and, and a really fun player to watch. Um, and wish him the best. Next up, this one you kind of really felt like it was more than likely. Uh, you know, we had hope, but 
it, it makes perfect sense. Um, one of the best players, in my opinion, in ECU history, uh, plays the, you know, one of the hardest positions in football um, and has been elite ever since he stepped on the field, but really uh, took it to the next level this year is Jaquan McMillan uh, declared for the NFL draft. Um, man, I mean, it sucks, you know, it sucks. Best player on the team. Um, but that's what happens. And that's what happens when you start to compete is these guys start to, um, you know, really get, catch the eye of those NFL scouts. Um, he certainly deserves it. And I think it was the right thing for him to do the right choice for him to make. And he's definitely going to be playing on Sundays. Um, but yeah, man, Jaquan McMillan declaring for the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough, you know, losing a player of his caliber because, I mean, to be quite honest, there's only, you know, a handful of guys who play at that level in all of, you know, the country. I mean, he's grading out year in and year out as one of the best coverage corners in the country. Um, I mean, he's just super talented and he's he's always super fun to watch. Um, and and I, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, in fact, right after the season started, when I was – creating my way too early depth chart um, for next year. I didn't even consider putting him on it because I just didn't even see a, a possibility that he came back um, because he's just that good. And I, and I see some, some people and I, I don't, Josh, you can talk more on this because you know more about the draft process than I do. Um, I see some people who are, who are worried that he won't, he'll either get picked late or that he'll get looked over. Um, you know, in, in, including some people who are, you know, were really knowledgeable about the situation and, and write, write stuff for ECU. But I don't see any way that McMillan doesn't get picked at least in the middle rounds and, and, and makes an impact, you know, in the NFL. I mean, he's way too talented. If the only knock on him is that he's a couple inches shorter than the average corner. But, um, you know, all that being said, uh, you know, it's always tough to lose a player like that, but you're super happy for him because I, I, I don't see a way that he's not playing on Sundays and making millions of dollars. Yeah, um, well, certainly, look, I, I think a, a part of it is because um, he was not a guy coming into the season that scouts and, and NFL media thought was going to be somebody that was going to be entering the draft uh, this year. You know, obviously, we knew the talent, but ECU being bad and, uh, flying under the radar and, um, you know, McMillan having his insane breakout year this year um, changed things, um, but it still can take media um, some time to catch up. I will say um, I've been doing a lot of research on the NFL draft these past couple of weeks, um, and it, it, you do not – I have not seen a lot on Jaquan McMillan's stock. Um, that's something that can change in the offseason. Um, you know, he's – you, you know, with with workouts and, you know, the combine, and, you know, if he gets invited and um, all this other stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, as of right now, there's not a ton of buzz around his name. Like I said, the only knock that I can see, I mean, he's, a, what, a five-time All-American this year, you know. I'm, so, I, uh, yeah, haven't seen a ton on him. Haven't seen a ton on his draft stock from some guys that I find, you know, are really credible too, like you said. Um, and, you know, it's surprising to me. Uh, with the numbers that he put up, um, especially when you consider that now the American is is you know really not is not being overlooked by NFL scouts like it once was, um, 
Yeah, so I, I, I would look I would just keep an eye on him and see how throughout the offseason it progresses his draft stock. I hope it rises. It should. Like you said, the only knock on him is his size. Um, you know, and, and and the thing is you see you, you know, there are guys that get drafted fairly high that are smaller corners, but they get drafted to play that nickel corner spot. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a safety nickel corner hybrid, and he's not that style. Um, you know, he's really been an outside corner. I'm not saying he can't do it, but um yeah, you know, that'll be the knock. Some teams value that higher than others. It'll be interesting to see. I would be very surprised um, to see him, one, go undrafted, or two, go in like the sixth or seventh round. I would think he'd be more of a mid-round pick. But, um, you know, I think that whoever takes Jaquan is potentially getting a steal because, you know, obviously we know his talent and we've seen him go against up against the best and, and you know, perform at an elite level. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um I don't know right now. Right now, there's not a ton of buzz, but you know, it's a it's a long off season, so and he can do a lot to push his stock up. So, um, really excited for Jaquan, man. He he had a this year. I think he had a what do you have a coverage grade of like ninety one point one this year in Pro Football Focus, um, and overall like an eighty eight point five. I mean, it's just, which is the highest for ECU. It, it's just an insane player. Um, really talented i think he was tied for uh was he tied for second in interceptions in the ncaa he was he was he was up there he was i'm up not, there, I'm not yeah. exactly sure if he was second or not but he, um, he was up there for a lot yeah early on in the year he was he was tied for first um he he's just a fantastic player really good open field tackler too um my play for him this year which you would not expect out of me to say but my favorite play from tyler sneed this year that i think is the most or McMillan. need McMillan, yeah. yes. <laughs> I think which I think is the most um underappreciated play, honestly, of the season, but especially for him, is the um play against Navy where they were going for that third down mm. conversion and he knocked the ball out um you know about right at the first down marker, which would have probably sealed the game for us, um, for Navy against us. Uh that you know, a lot of people wouldn't pick that. They would pick an interception or something like that. But that was just my um my favorite play from him this year, man, and I think that he's a he's a really special player, and there's no denying that. So really excited to see him going forward, and I think um, one way or another, um, whether he's underappreciated in the draft or not, he's going to find his way to playing on Sundays. He's just too talented. Um, next up was one that uh, we thought probably could happen. Um, still not a ton. You know, I guess it's still not confirmed, but it's expected. Haven't really heard much on him, but Audio Matosho, which is kind of a bummer. Um, anybody that listens to the podcast know that me and Jake love Omatosho. I think he's extremely talented, um, you know, especially playing at wide receiver too. Um, I, I, you know, apparently all signs point to him leaving. Um, so, you know, if he does and declares for the draft, um, you know, or, or whatever he chooses to do, we wish him the best. Um but, yeah, I would have liked to see him stick around. He's got another year of eligibility, but it looks like he's not going to be here next year. Yeah, like you said, I haven't officially seen that, but I've seen a lot of people talking about how all signs are pointing to, to him moving on, which, you know, it, it is tough to see. You want to see another year him, you know, doing what he did this year. I mean, he really kind of became the player that we all knew he was, you know, had in him this year. He, re- he really took that step forward and made a big impact. Um and, you know, I mean, he finished the year with about 500 receiving yards and a few touchdowns and some really huge moments some really big catches um, and some big games. So, um, and, and, you know, like you said, 
you know, we both love watching him play. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely going to be tough. You know, especially trying to fill two two of our prominent wide receiver roles. But yeah, it's definitely tough to see how much I should go. Yeah, um, but we do have, um, and I'm going to use this as a segue. Uh, we we do have good news. We're talking uh, early departures. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bittersweet thing. Uh, you like being good enough that you can have early departures, um, but you hate to see him go. But we got guys coming in too. Um, like we said earlier, it's not done yet, but we do have um, two new guys since the, the last time we talked about the transfers um, coming in, one on offense and one on defense that we are really excited about um, that generated buzz um, when, they, when they announced that they were coming to ECU. Um, there will be more, but for now, we're going to highlight two that we're talking about today. Um, I was going to go first with mine, but you know what? Because we just talked about two receivers going, um, Jake, I'm going to let you head this segment off. Who, who, uh, who was your assignment over the past two weeks, uh, transfer guy that you, you did some research on and you can tell us about? None other than Jalen Johnson. Uh, if that name sounds familiar at first. Um, you're probably thinking of the basketball player because that's what I thought of first when Josh texted me about it. Um, I was actually I was at some event and Josh texted me and said, "Bro, Jalen Johnson." And I was like, "What about him?" And yeah, he, was like, he just committed to ECU, and I was like, "What?" And then I looked him up and and watched and you know went on his Twitter and watched his film. Um, but uh, you know I'll get to that in a second. But we got Jalen Johnson uh, transfer from Georgia, who is a walk on out of high school, ended up earning a scholarship at Georgia. He's uh, six foot two, 193 pounds. Played 146 offensive snaps and 117 on special teams this year. Um, you know, not a ton of game film for him. He he caught three passes this year. Um, he was more of an early down uh, receiver. Um, he's really good at blocking for a receiver, and Georgia runs the ball a lot. Um, <clears throat> but he has his practice film on his Twitter, and I mean, if you haven't seen it, you got to go watch it. I mean. He is great size, great speed. Um, his route running's clean, and he's he's really tough and physical. Um, I think he's going to make an immediate impact. And uh, what on another the thing that I like most about him, and you could read it in the articles that have been written about him and just see it, um, you know, by the way he carries himself and by the way um, he he plays. He you know he plays with a chip on his shoulder, um, which is kind of the theme in Greenville. I feel like we always have a chip on our shoulder. Um, you know, and to be able to walk on, earn a scholarship at Georgia, and then beat out four and five stars for playing time tells a lot about how hard he works. He's a super hardworking player, um, and he's bringing a championship mentality to Greenville, and I think he could very well become our number one receiver this year. So really, I mean, really high hopes for Jalen Johnson. I, I, I know Josh feels really similarly about him. I mean, he's just, the, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, look, man, he, he was on the – you can say what you want about him not having a ton of stats um, as a Georgia Bulldog, but the fact that he's suiting up and actually playing for the national champions, when you saw the talent that that team had, especially even at the receiver position, yeah, um, says a lot, man. And like you said, it, we're sensing a theme here um, with Mike Houston, of an insane, insanely, um, you know, large, for lack of a better term, uh, emphasis that he puts on culture and having guys with the right mindset and, and the fact that he's bringing these guys in, um, 
you know, these walk-ons that earn their way to walk on to Georgia and earn your way into, into getting reps. Apparently he was, a, he was an elite special teams player at Georgia. I think he's going to have a much bigger role, like you said, at ECU, but it just shows his work ethic, um, his athletic ability. Like you said, watching his, um, when I, when I sent you that and, you know, I'd watch the, the film, I would encourage you guys to go to Jalen Johnson's Twitter and watch his, uh, that practice film that he put up at Georgia. Um, he, he's spectacular, man. He's got a great frame, um, super athletic. We, we know about the work ethic. Um, and, and, and he's coming from a cha- uh, literally the best program in college football. So, uh, just bringing that mentality to the locker room. Um, you know, we're losing Omatosha, like we said, but I think that Jalen Johnson can step in and, and be, you know, across from CJ and, um, you know, with, with Hatfield in the slot and be a spectacular, um, you know, potentially to, to lead the team, um, you know, in receiving. And I, I think that he's, he's still, even at his floor, got a, a chance to be a spectacular piece of this offense, um, spectacular guy to have in practice and, uh, in the locker room. And I, it's just really exciting. Yeah. You got to love that guy, man. Uh, y'all go follow him on, uh, on his social media because, um, It'll get you excited. Go watch his practice film that he put up on his Twitter because he is um, spectacular, and you know you know he was putting in reps. Um, we you know daily against elite level you know football players. So I mean, uh, go ahead. Even just to earn a scholarship at Georgia, uh, like that's such a huge thing that like I feel like it's it's hard to wrap your brain around at first. Literally, Georgia has no problem filling their entire roster with just four and five star players. Right. He, he came in without any stars at a high school, got a walk-on opportunity to Georgia, and then earned a scholarship. Like, he's he's poised to come in and make an immediate huge impact in, in a position of need. Um, and, you know, I don't want to put, you know, too much pressure. We haven't seen him play here. But I, I just – I can't see a way that he's not making a huge impact for us this year. Yeah, the opportunity is there for him, and he seems like the type of guy to take it. Um, so I'm super excited. Love his frame. Just love love what he can bring to this offense, and I know Holt's probably excited too. Um, speaking of guys who who walked on and made a name for themselves and are now coming to the Pirates to play for Mike Houston, my assignment, um, and if you've noticed, <laughs> I tend to be the guy to research the defense, <laughs> and Jake seems to be the guy to research the offense, uh, just kind of how we're wired. But Jack Powers um, – this kid is an edge rusher. Um, he coming out of the he played for University of Nevada. Um, he's a, he's an edge rusher, six uh, two two thirty five. Um, and man, when when the news dropped that he was uh, coming before it dropped that he was coming, uh, Mike Houston tweeted. I don't remember what GIF or or GIF. I think I always say GIF and Jake yells at me, but um, <laughs> for, that Mike Houston tweeted. But it was uh, it was essentially him just screaming, yeah. Um, that he was excited and you know obviously that stirred up pirate nation who are we getting who are we getting and it was somebody that was worth the excitement um jack powers out of nevada the uh, the edge position is a position where you cannot have enough depth uh we saw some guys really rise um to the occasion this year we saw Manuel hickman jeremy lewis um you know some more guys rise to the occasion and uh you know have some really good moments but you can't have enough depth of that position and adding another elite talent there um, to rotate in uh, and come off the edge and go after the passer or, you know, shut down the run. Uh, it's huge. And Jack Powers is just the guy to do that. He's an extremely high motor player. Um, go watch his highlights. He's got a highlight clip from this year, this past year on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on Twitter too. 
um, extremely high motor player, uh, sideline to sideline guy. Um, and he understands assignments, man. That was one of my favorite things watching him. Um, if you guys listen to our prospect breakdown um, a few podcasts ago, when I was talking about these edge guys, I was talking about understanding the assignments and the importance of it. Um, he played against a lot of option offenses um, at Nevada this year. And, and, and you saw his ability to stick to his assignment, to not take the bait. And he's a sure tackler. I mean, he gets his hands on you. You're not breaking the tackle. Um, you saw a lot of that on his film, and I love to see that. I think that's a seriously underrated um, aspect of, a, of an edge guy's game, especially when you're in our conference um, and you got as many talented running backs um, that, you know, you find yourself in one-on-one positions against because we have such high-powered passing offenses in our conference um, that we rarely – you rarely see teams stack in the box. So you got to have one-on-one tacklers. Uh, he is that. Uh, we play against Navy – um, it seems it feels like every year, and it feels like, and I have this in my notes that this this kid was literally recruited exclusively for the Navy game. Um, <laughs> he, he's just tailor made for it. You saw it this year, he, even this year, we struggled and we're not did not look like I wanted us to defensively against Navy. Um, he, you know, just would miss tackles. Um, you know, it, even uh, you know, it's tough enough for our guys to in anybody, not our guys, but anybody to stay on their assignment. Uh, when you're facing that triple option, but what, you know, you got to make the tackle. You're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have a safety net behind you because uh, everybody's sticking to their assignment. And um, Jack Powers knows that uh, you see it on his tape. And I think that, you know, he's going to, if I had to predict, make one bold prediction, I think he's going to have a really high um, impact in all of our games this year. I think he's going to step in and, and play immediately and be a starter on this defense. Um, edge is a rotational position, but um I think you're going to see a ridiculously high snap count against the uh, Navy midshipmen when we play them at home this year. Um, that would be my prediction for Jack Powers. Um, he's excellent defending the run, uh, but he's also got really good bursts off the edge. Um, puts a lot of pressure on QBs, which is something that uh, is huge, man. We're losing McMillan. Um, we, I still think we have a really good and capable secondary, and we got some transfers coming in. I'm sure we'll have some more. Um, but the, the best uh, secondary is pass rush. Um, and – you know, we got some guys coming up, like I mentioned before, that are going to – that are really have um, the traits to be elite pass rushers. But Jack Powers is a proven one uh, coming in, and I think that he's going to um, – you know, he's going to be a, a huge, huge part of that, um, you know, ECU defense getting sack numbers up this year. Um, he had 15 solo tackles, uh, seven assists in the second half this year uh, with seven QB pressures. Um He's still got two years of eligibility. Um, and like I said before, he's a walk-on. He's Houston's type. Um, you know, walk-on earned a scholarship and is now, uh, you know, have earned the opportunity to play at a bigger program, um, you know, play on play on TV, get get that exposure. And I think that, uh, you know, he's really excited when you heard him talking about it. And um, I'm really excited about it, man. Jake, what what are you – I know I just talk forever. I can talk forever on these <laughs> edge rushes, man, especially guys like Jack Bowers, But – um, what do you think when you, you know, I know you were excited when we got the news. What do you think when you went and uh, uh, researched this kid a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you, you said it pretty well. This guy's super freaking talented. I mean, he's, he's so explosive. He's, he's, he's everything you're looking for in an edge rusher. And like you said, you can never have too many um, edge rushers. I mean, we got uh, Jeremy Lewis who, who had a position change. Uh, from tight end to edge last year and was one of our, you know, best players game in and game out, one of the most consistent. Hickman played really well. 
you're really expecting Josiah Robinson to, uh, you know, the Michigan State transfer to make a big step this year and get, and get some quality time. Chad Stevens, another guy you're expecting to get some quality time. And then we add Jack Powers to that mix. Uh, so good luck to any quarterback who has to deal with that uh, coming off the edge because it's, it's going to be relentless pressure. Um, but, yeah, Jack Powers, I mean, same as Jalen Johnson in, in, in every transfer that we've got. I feel like guys who are, you know, have gone underlooked um, but have the talent, have the, you know, the ability to play um, and they want to come make a name for themselves and, you know, they have that chip on their shoulder. I feel like he fits in super well in Greenville and, uh, you know, get familiar with him now because if you're not, you're going to be uh, as soon as the season starts. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's going to be one of those guys who's coming in right away and, uh, you know, the fans are going to get to know him really quickly. Yeah, uh, Houston has a type, man. What can we say? Um, uh, super excited for those two guys. One more thing um, before we wrap up the football segment. Um, man, we can talk a long time about football. The season been over for a month, and we're just <laughs> – <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, but uh, Raekwon Boyette, uh, he – we just hired him to come in and be a wide, a wide receivers coach. Um, I was actually really excited about this, man. Um, he spent last year, he was Duke's, uh, well, he was one of their offensive coordinators. He was a receivers coach, uh, former Duke running backs coach, former Duke running back. Um, yeah, I mean, Duke guy, but, uh, he, he, he came in and, um, from what I've read, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know of him before, um, it got announced that he was coming. Um, but uh, apparently he's a big guy with recruiting. Um, he, he's got a lot of respect there. That's huge. Um, you know, that's everything really in college football. He's expected to be the outside receivers coach. Um, so he's going to be working closely with our boy, uh, Jalen Johnson. Um, I think he's going to be huge for CJ Johnson. Um, and, and his, I, you know, I think CJ's really poised to have a breakout year this year. Um, the opportunity's there. And I think Boyette's the guy to help him get there. Um, I, I, I'm excited, man. I think it was a really good hire. What do you think of, uh, of, of Raquan Boyette, man, coming and coaching these outside receivers? Um, like you said, I didn't I didn't really know too much about him uh, before we hired him or before he was talked about as one of the candidates. Believe it or not, uh, me and Josh don't like to spend a ton of our time watching Duke play football um, because they're not very good. But that was not uh, Boyette's fault. He's a great coach. He's really good at getting recruits, like Josh said. And I think he, um, you know, he's going to be able to help us get a lot of the uh, super talented receivers that we've had trouble getting to North Carolina, uh, you know, the past few years or, you know, really, really for a long time. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, I'm super excited for him to come in and I'm really, from what I've seen, he's really excited to be here and he's, ex especially he said he's excited to work with CJ Johnson. Uh, so I, you know, I can't be more excited uh, to see what he can do to see if, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised after he comes in to see CJ take a, um, you know, form back to his freshman year, uh, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit there. I think we've made a lot of really good moves this offseason. And, um, you know, it's not the offseason I haven't done yet. But, yeah, Boyette, um, you know, he's got a lot of potential to do really good in Greenville. Yeah. Um, yeah, welcome to Greenville for, for Raekwon Boyette. And super excited to see what he can do in that room um, and do on this recruiting trail. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it for our football segment. We'll move on to basketball, man. Um, nothing new with ECU basketball in, in the sense that we are used to um, having tough losses and handling them. We've had some tough losses since uh, the last time we talked basketball. Before we get into that, um, Jake, I'm going to hand it over to you. 
and uh, let you let you talk about uh, your experience at the at the Memphis game, man. Man, that I'm not even gonna lie. That was probably the craziest thing I've ever been a part of in my whole entire life. I kid you not. I mean, I I still get chills just thinking about it. Uh, for one, Minji's was more packed than I'd ever seen it. The student, the student, I will say this, the student section has been delivering all year. I mean, that's just the energy in Greenville for sports. Um, but it was, you know, I, a lot of people were there to see, you know, Memphis's top recruits play. You know, everybody wanted to see Amoni Bates, including myself. Um, and, and there was a huge, you know, I, I tweeted before the game from our account, uh, the energy you know, pregame was, was really intense. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it felt crazy in there, but, um, you know, going into that game, uh, they get out, you know, they score the first basket, then we end up scoring. We had a five to four lead and then we didn't lead again until we hit the buzzer beater at the end of the game, um, which is crazy. Uh, we also held Memphis to just three points for the last six minutes and 28 seconds of the game. Um, but yeah, you know, we were down 14, at halftime, came out, uh, played really well in the second half, ended up hitting a buzzer beater off Suggs, off the backboard. I knew right when it left his hands uh, that it was going to go in. And I was telling my friends, because I was sitting with my friends, and I told them when there was about a minute left, I was like, all right, guys, if we if we hit a buzzer beater, we're rushing the court. And they're like, all right, all right. And I was sitting, like, kind of in the middle of them. I wasn't near the, you know, the exit. And right after Suggs hit it, you know, we were all celebrating. And then I was, like, edging them to go. I was like, you guys, go, go, go. And they were taking all their time because there was a lot of people in the way. So I just jumped over all of them. Um, and, you know, you, if you're listening, you, you, you might know what I look like. You might not. But we, me and Josh, there's no trying to hide our identity. Uh, but if you wanted a face reveal, um, if you're watching the game, the top right corner or near, near all the players when all the players or when all the fans first rushed in, I was one of the first ones there. Um, you know, white kid, uh, purple built one broken sweatshirt. So there you go. Um, <laughs> if you want to see me, but man, I just, I can't even like put into words how awesome that felt. And, and, you know, everybody stepped up. I mean, Frank had 11, Vance Jackson had 17, uh, hit three threes. Um, RJ Felton played some great defense. Tremont had 11, Newton had 11, um, Suggs had 17, including including the buzzer beater. Javon Small came in, hit a three. So like, it was it, man, that was just like I I wish we could replicate that in more games. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, that I mean, I can't even put into words how awesome that felt, Josh. I, I I mean, I know you weren't in there, but how'd you feel watching that game? Yeah, man. I mean, early on it looked like it was what was expected. Um, and then that second half, just the fight in that in that team. You could feel the energy, by the way, and that's not something you're really used to saying about Minji's, but you could feel the energy on TV uh, watching that game. And and uh, the buzzer beater, like you said, man, I mean, my goodness, that, that was just spectacular. Um, I mean, yeah, my, obviously it's got to be your favorite freaking ECU basketball game. Um, you know, basically broke Penny Hardaway, but um, – yeah, and I, and I saw Jake. Yeah, I saw Jake when they rushed the court. Um, Storm in. Uh, it, it was just awesome, man. I was so happy for you and uh, so jealous, but so happy for you and to be able to experience that. And, um, you know, it's – it's it, you got to take the highs with ECU basketball. Look, you know, we know we're a football school and a baseball school, and, and you know, basketball is definitely the, the backseat as far as the big three sports go. But 
Um, you got to take the highs, and that was a high. Um, that you know, I know Memphis has struggled, but they are an extremely talented roster, and um, you know, to come back and win at home and, and you know fans get to rush the court in an ECU basketball game it, it's just awesome uh so happy for the guys that shot of Vance Jackson on the scoring table looking like Dwayne Wade uh, Dude, so sick man that was that was that was crazy yeah that, <laughs> that was, was so crazy Vance a friend of the podcast man and uh it was just yeah so happy for him so happy for the guys and uh yeah it was awesome man I was really jealous um and it looked like we were carrying that momentum into the next game uh the next game played uh UCF um, you played UCF at home and uh, looked like we were carrying the momentum, came out and really punched him in the mouth and we're up 44 to 28 going into halftime. Um, and then, uh, well, the second half came. And, uh, you know, as much as I want to say, you know, that for that final 10 minutes that UCF played lights out defense and, and they just really stepped up and played. I don't, I know that was the narrative and I'm not saying they didn't play great defense, but I, that is not what I felt when I was watching that game. Um, and I know uh, a lot, and I like Joe Dooley and I know a lot of people didn't want to criticize him and it, I was surprised. Um, but I think that loss is on Joe Dooley, man. Um, I, 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 I did, we did not have a big enough lead. There's not many times you will have a big enough lead with 10 minutes left to go in the second half to where you can, you know, uh, essentially go into run the clock mode. Um, you're giving your off, you know, that's, that's what we did. Uh, we were milking the shot clock down to below 10 seconds before we'd taken our first shot of every possession, um, against a team that can score like UCF. It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, you saw him slowly start chipping away and, you know, you would think, okay, well, it's been a few minutes. We, we tried it. We probably did it too early. Let's make an adjustment and start playing aggressive like we did in the first half, but it just never happened. And, you know, you can watch the office and tell they weren't looking, um, for scoring opportunities early on in their possessions for the entire final 10 minutes. Um, that's coaching, man. And, uh, you know, it, it, it bit them and they lost. And, um, you know, UCF hit some really crazy shots, um, but they're a talented team. They can do that. And it just didn't make sense to me when you're riding off momentum playing against a really talented team at home. You're riding off momentum at your last game. Um, and, and you have a big lead at halftime to come out and play like that. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the guys didn't play well down the stretch either, but, um, you know, you could definitely tell that they were, uh, you know, going in, in the hold the hold the lead mode. And it just it, it blew up in their face, man. Um, you know, we had a Tristan Newton had a fantastic game. Um, you know, he had he had 27 points, um, five rebounds and three assists. Uh, you know, Frank had a fantastic game specifically in the first half. Um, you know, we had uh, we had, you know, some production from other guys. Brandon Suggs got hurt, which was another thing people were using as a crutch. And I know that Brandon Suggs is our most versatile defender. Anybody that listens to podcast knows how much we love Brandon Suggs and how highly we think of him. Um, and it hurts no doubt to, to lose him after 21 minutes um, like we did. But um, it, nonetheless, man, you can't, you can't play like we did for the last 10 minutes, um, not just uh, efficiency-wise, but strategy-wise, and expect to win that game. And, and we didn't. Um, you know, You knew when they tied it, um, and we had that bad last possession that we were going to lose. You knew going into overtime we were not going to win that game. Um, so it was just a bummer to me, man. It was a bummer, and I think you felt that um, since then. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that game was frustrating. Jake, were you at that game? I think you were. No, I uh, – No, you weren't. Okay. I, I couldn't go to that game. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I missed um, it. And kind of 
kind of kind of glad. I yeah, I mean, it. yeah. It's... I mean that that was that was a heartbreaking loss. I I got to watch the end of it. I missed all the good stuff and I saw all the bad stuff. Um, but no, I completely agree with what you said. I think we went to run the clock mode way too early. Um, got way too comfortable, and um, you know, like you said, you know, Dooley fans. We both like Dooley. I know it's kind of split between. Um, you know, ECU fans, whether you like Julie or not, me and Josh both like Julie, but uh, I think that one's mostly on him. I mean, yeah, UCF was hitting a lot of threes at the end of the game and, and Suggs got hurt. But when you have, when you're up 44 to 28 at halftime at home, uh, coming off the biggest win um, of the year, you, you can't lose that game. Um, and, and, and we sort of did it to ourselves. So that, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, it sucked, man. And, and look, not even just, not even just at uh, you know, coming into the half, but we still had a big lead with yeah. ten minutes to go in that game. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, just a collapse, man, and uh, it was a bummer to see, and it uh, it definitely rolled over into the next one, man, and you know now we're kind of in a state where, uh, you know that we're reeling. Um. After that game, we played Houston on the road, and you just knew after the disappointing loss in UCF and all the momentum that we lost. Um, with that game, that this game was going to be bad, but I don't think anybody thought it was going to be as bad as it was. Um, that that was embarrassing. Houston, Houston's elite and they're they're a championship contender, but um, and they, and I think they were definitely still pissed about the upset that we handed them last year. But uh, dude, forty four to fourteen at the end of the first half. Um, my goodness, man! Uh, did did they, it, it literally looked like? Houston was playing in FCS school. I mean, it was just bad. Um, it, it, there's really no there, – there's no the, – the final score was 79-36. Uh, you know, it got blown out in the second half too. Um, th- that's an embarrassing, embarrassing line, and there's no silver lining, you know. I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Newton was 10 of 12 at the free throw line. That's – I mean, what, <laughs> what that's do you, he was 2 of 11 from the field. So, I, like, th- there was just dude. nothing. They, they were – they destroyed us in every single aspect of the game, and I think now we're in a dangerous spot because we don't, you don't have a lot of easy games in our conference, and you got a team that's that's missing a, a really key piece in Brandon Suggs, and um, you know the schedule the schedule doesn't get easy, and and you know I think that we're gonna we're gonna see a lot um, in these coming games about what this team is made of because um, they're reeling right now to have an emotional victory and then the the, the you know, horrible, you know, loss to UCF at the end there. And then the, you know, complete annihilation that we face at Houston. Um, you know, we got, we're playing at Memphis. Um, so they're going to be, mo- you know, I know they're kind of, you know, they're real in themselves, but they're going to be emotional. Memphis is, that, yeah, that they're, good. they're a good team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, then we play home against Cincy and home against Temple, who we both know can play. So, I don't know, Jake. What do you think going forward, man? I mean, you you can touch on the Houston game too. I don't know if you want to, but yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. Uh, going by ESPN's, um, I don't even know what it's called. They're what, how they predict. Um, you know, they they give teams a percentage chance to win a game, and it changes throughout the game. Um, Houston started with a 98 percent chance to win that game, and it never dipped below that. Um, there's not much to say about that uh, that game. I mean, we got blown out in every facet um the only thing you can hope uh is that the guys are pissed off and, and i mean and that they can you know uh come come out and, and and do something about it i mean they definitely have their backs against the wall like you said the schedule doesn't get easy 
Um, we're 11 and seven, um, but we're two and four in the conference, and we got some really tough games coming up. Um, you know, finishing out this road trip and then coming home and playing two really tough teams um, at home. So um, I'm not going to overreact to it. I'm going to try not to overreact to it, um, just like I've tried not to overreact uh, when we beat Houston last year and then when we beat Memphis this year. Because um, at the end of the day, it's still a young team. Guys are still learning to play together. And, and uh, um, it's only one game, but, dude, that was a bad one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just hoping that, you know, the guys are pissed off. They're, they're ready to, you know, they know that they have their backs against the wall um, and, and that they, you know, respond to that. But um, I'm still excited to see what we can do going forward. This team's still really fun to watch. Um, and, and it's been fun to watch them grow. But that's definitely, you know, a growing pain right there, that loss. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, it remains to be seen how they answer, but um, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, and you know, this team has surprised us at points this year, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, they'll they'll give us another surprise here coming up. All right, but we'll wrap up the basketball segment there. Um, you know, hoping hoping that this ECU basketball team reels. They definitely have the talent to do so, even despite Suggs being out. Uh, moving on to baseball, just a couple of things, not a huge, uh, a ton yet. You know, really excited. A few weeks before the season starts, can't wait. Um, like we've said before, me and Jake are massive baseball fans. We're gonna have a ton um, uh, of you know solid episodes throughout the baseball season, breaking stuff down. Um, so, so definitely be sure to be checking us out um, in the coming weeks, in the coming episodes for. Uh, leading into the baseball season and, and during the baseball season because, one, ECU baseball is always a ton of fun, and, two, uh, we're going to be bringing you a lot of content. Um, but, yeah, uh, season ticket record, man, uh, was the uh, the preseason season ticket sold record um, was met last uh, last week on the 20th, I believe it was. Yeah, that's um, what it was, yeah. 1,769 tickets, man, were sold, and that's about the 20th, so that's up from then. Um, but man, that's awesome. Um, you can just feel the excitement. There's always excitement surrounding the baseball season, but like you said, you know, about the, the basketball team, when, when your number one program, which is a football team starts to have success that bleeds into the other sports. And I think we're seeing that here. Um, our, our baseball team has been one of the best in the nation for a while, but you're starting to see even more excitement coming, um, just surrounding ECU sports as a whole. And you saw that in the season ticket sold. And I think shortly after that, Cliff Godwin um, set the bar at 2000 uh, tickets to be season tickets to be sold before the uh, year starts. So that's really exciting, man. Uh, I, I think that we're, we're headed for a really big year. No, yeah, we're definitely headed for a huge year. This really, I mean, like you said, ECU has been one of the elite programs. Uh, in college baseball the past few years. And it really feels like uh, this is finally the year where we're going to kick the door down and, uh, you know, make that trip to Omaha. Um, yeah, one, I mean, almost 1,800 season tickets sold a week ago, probably up from there, like you said. I mean, that's just crazy numbers. Um, and, yeah, I think everyone's gearing up for the season. So it's coming up sooner than you think. Um, and, you know, before we know it, we're going to be, you know, and Clark LeClaire playing Bryant. So I'm, I'm, and I'm super pumped, dude. You know how much I love baseball. I know how much you love baseball, dude. I just, I can't wait, dude. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. And uh, to, to further validate it, don't just take our word for it. And um, I know Cliff Godwin would be biting his tongue listening to us talk about it, but uh, <laughs> all these preseason rankings, uh, they're high on us too, man. They're high on us too. 
um, I believe D1 Baseball, which is – Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the – you know, that's the – That's the – that's the one. That's, that's the, the one premier, right there. Yeah. Because there's no – for for whatever reason, there's no, like, one uh, college baseball ranking. But D1 Baseball um, is generally the one that, most you know, pretty much everybody uses. And it's also um, the one that I find to be most accurate. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that, that's usually if, – if me and Josh reference – uh, you know, EC ranking, it'll most likely be D1 baseball. Yeah, and we came in, uh, we came in ranked 12th, ranked 12th uh, preseason uh, nationally. Um, you know, that's a solid ranking. I, I know the team's shooting for higher, and I know that, uh, you know, they got it programmed in them by Godwin to not care about it, which is a good thing. Those rankings for us to care about. Um, it's a good thing that none of them do, but uh, man, uh, yeah, I mean, every, every, every outlet that I've seen um, has ECU at least in the top 15 from what I've seen. Uh, maybe we were 16 in one of them, but uh, j- just really excited, man. Uh, you know, D1 baseball coming out and giving ECU that recognition is nice. Um, and and we got the season coming up here. It'll be here before you know it. Um, so I, I can't wait, man. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Jake, what do, what do you think, man? Just just to put you on the spot for a second here, what do you think of uh, – of, of the ranking the the 12 overall ranking for from d1 baseball as far as where we're at versus where we'll finish i think it's really fair um you know i, I really respect d1 baseball they do a ton of great work and uh, you know a ton of research i think i you know preseason it's fair to rank all those teams you know the you know one through 11 uh, ahead of us i'm in 12s you know an awesome ranking obviously i you know i, th- I think we're um better than some of the teams ahead of us. I think we have a really tough schedule um, and, and we're going to prove that we're one of the top eight teams in the country. I think we've proved that before um, and, and we haven't been warranted it, but I think this year uh, is the year that we, you know, leave no doubts and they have to give us top eight and then we can host a super. Uh, but regardless, um, all I'm going to say, I've been doing a lot of research on the baseball team uh, for this year. And all I'm going to say is whether the super regional is in you know I don't I don't want to say this to you know jinx anything or, or for people to hold this above me if it ends up being a cold take but I'm gonna say it because I you know I can't see it uh, becoming a cold take um, whether it's in Greenville or whether it's across the country uh, good luck to any team that has to play us in a super regional this year <laughs> that's all I thought, that's all I'm gonna say that's the quote man love it love it um, all right man yeah excitement building like i said in the coming weeks and then into the baseball season if you're a baseball fan stay tuned you should be if you're an ecu fan because um, they always put a great product out on the field the opportunities there and that's all you can ask for and um you know this season is going to be a fun one so yeah looking forward to that um about three weeks away um you know stay tuned uh, as far as ecu basketball goes it'll be interesting to see how they they rebound and uh also, you know, we're like we've said before, we're going to keep coming at you with football news. Uh, I don't think we'll have an episode where we don't at least touch on something football because um, there's just always, always, uh, you know, enough news coming out regarding the football program that, uh, you know, for us to have some content with. So anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate it. Um, follow, like I said earlier, follow us on our, uh, you know, Twitter and our Instagram and uh yeah, outside of that, go Pirates, man.